UK Motor Talk, the Goodwood Festival of Speed 2019. Hello, welcome to the 2019 Goodwood Festival of Speed. Myself and Phil are here. We're standing in a favourite spot of mine, which is uh, right in front of the house. And uh, this is Jerry Judah's latest effort, made locally, Little Hampton Welding. And it is quite spectacular. I mean, they are all mighty, mighty celebrations of cars over the years, racing successes. This one has got... Aston Martin DBR1. DBR1, right at the very top of basically a white steel swoop. Yes, there will be photos here, so I may not be describing it that well. We'll take photos in a moment. Um, but this is a celebration of Aston Martin's 70 years at, uh, at Goodwood. The uh, sign suggests that uh, Mr. W.G. Bingley became the first man to race an Aston Martin at Goodwood, marking the, uh, the relationship between the two institutions. And of course, that's gone on for many years. And uh, many famous drivers have raced Aston Martins here. Many famous drivers have won in Aston Martins here, including the Sports Car Championship, which was won here. Um, but also, uh, slightly infamously, they managed to burn part of the pits down at one stage by some fairly inept filling. Uh, I think um, in a modern sort of context, you wouldn't be allowed to fill fuel in the way they were doing. No, you, you see old footage of people pouring uh, high-octane fuel into cars um, in the pits with cigarettes in hand, etc. Health and safety was not... Some of which would go down the back of the driver's overalls, which would uh, give him a bit of a problem for the next uh, few hours. Yeah, well, times are very, very different to what they once were, and uh, I think the the refueling of uh, modern race cars really ended with uh, the Jordan, the classic Jordan fire... You know, when several mechanics got burnt in the, the F1 pits. That that was enough to uh, for the FIA to decide that refueling F1 cars was no longer a good idea. It's never a good idea to try and put a high-octane fuel in a, under pressure in a pressure environment of a pit stop. Yeah. Something's bound to go wrong. So, turning just for a moment from, and you'll have heard an awful lot of the background noise there, that's actually cars going down to uh, the collecting area at the end and uh, they will shortly then come back up the hill they're, they're really really well organized here now this is a man going past us with what i can only describe as a zen rake because basically there's loads and loads of gravel around here and uh, he's got the task in the hot sun of raking it but he actually walks around with this rake behind him so if it isn't called a zen rake it certainly should be yeah and uh no sooner he's gone past, everybody's walking on the bit, yeah. it's just raked. So it's a, an endless and thankless task, I think. I mean, for those that have never been been here, and I, I've been lucky enough to be to have come to all of them, I think it's year 27, I think it is, for me. The growth is quite enormous. That first year, I remember uh, they were expecting five to 10,000 people. I think they got 15 to 20. Um, they were collecting money on the gates in bin liners. If you wanted change, forget it. Just throw whatever money you had in your pocket to get in. Uh, they didn't have enough marshals, so I can remember, because I was involved with the local motor club at that time, putting out an emergency call and they provided loads of marshals. 
interestingly, that motor club, Bognor Motor Club, still provide all the spectator marshalling area, but now there are hundreds of marshals. And over the course of this weekend, there will be a quarter of a million people here, probably more. Easily, with yeah. the weather the way it is, probably more. In, in, indeed so, indeed so. The, that, that first year, we stood behind a single row of string, yes. which was just to prevent you actually stumbling onto an, an active motor racing track. I don't say circuit because it isn't. It's an uphill, 1.16 miles. The fastest cars are doing... It's the record I can't remember. Nick Heidfeld holds a record from a number of years ago. Uh, believe me, it's very quick. It's a matter of seconds. Yeah. It's a very, very rapid hill. And I understand there are over 600 cars in competition, although, to be fair, a lot of them are demonstration rather than competition here over this weekend. And almost as many bikes. I think we've got six Formula One teams here. If you've never been here, this is now one of the largest historic motorsport events in the world. It just dwarfs anything else. And that's not because it is the cheapest place to come. That's not because it's the most delightful place to come, uh, although it certainly is a delightful parkland setting in front of the mansion, but it's because they continue to find the world's best racing cars from the modern era to the beginnings of motoring. Well, when we walked in this morning, we walked in from the Prest car park and we came down past the Ferrari team. Graham saw two transporters of theirs on the M25 a couple of days ago. We now understand why they've got about six to eight cars here, Formula oh, One cars. More, I, th I, th I think it's about 10 F1 cars and that's, a, that's the... The, the museum cars that's aside from the current cars yeah. which which are also here and will be demonstrating over the course of the weekend Mercedes Petronas are here there's touring cars here we've, we've already NASCAR been talking to the Red Bull team you know oh, the, the, yes as you say the NASCARs are here in force this has become very popular because the Goodwood has a deal with one of the major airlines I'm quite sure which one it's currently with but they actually ship over cars, drivers, teams, etc, etc. Here's a man sweeping the grass as well. This is the attention to detail that you get here. It's extraordinary. This is the same man that was about five minutes ago raking. He's now sweeping the gravel off the grass, back onto the gravel, and we'll probably be walking past with the rake again in a few minutes. We should interview him the next time he goes by. It, it, I mean, it's a, it's a round, more or less round. Um, on his next lap, I think maybe we'll, we'll have a word. Anyway, time to move on. Let's go and see some more cars. Well, here we are again uh, at Goodwood in the uh, Bonhams tent. And I have to say, I think this is one of the most diverse collections of uh, uh, top-line cars I think uh, I've ever seen. I think, yeah. We've just been eyeballing uh, one of the most important uh, racing cars of the sort of modern generation. Uh, Nigel Mansell's Red 5, which is the first time that's come to auction. You've had some dealings with Nigel over the years too. Yes, uh, Nigel raced with us when I worked at West Surrey Racing. He did three rounds in the British Touring Cars in uh, 1998. It was a very nice chap to have on board. Caused a bit of damage. We had to do a lot of repairs, but uh, yeah, it was fantastic fun. Well, we, we did an interview with Mark, who's the man at Bonham selling the car, and uh, he uh, suggested that uh, Nigel and uh, was a man that sort of damaged cars. But this is a... Uh, a 
a vitally important car. This car actually won five, well, the chassis, to be more accurate, won five Grand Prix. And in fact, the engine in it, they've, they've traced it back to the Renault factory records, and the engine in it won two of those Grand Prix. So, um, uh, one of them in a, in a different chassis. So, it's, it's a very, very successful racing car. Yes, it's uh, active suspension. It was groundbreaking in its day. No springs, everything hydraulic, just everything everything you needed in a race car at that particular time. Nobody could get anywhere anywhere near him. It's interesting for me that it's, it's juxtaposed with uh, the Alfa Romeo, which I think is a 6C or 8C, um, which is you know one of the classics of Targa Florio, uh, those great uh, Italian races of, of the period. I mean, it, it's just a wonderful piece of uh, automobile architecture. Yeah, some of the other cars that are here, I mean, there's a vast array of things from modern supercars to minis to Land Rovers, uh, Maseratis, Ferraris. We're standing in front of an Austin He 3000 rally car yeah. in period. Yeah, very, uh, very successful his- they were. Too. Very historic, histor- historically interesting car. A 250 GTE Ferrari. Yeah. And I'm going to rotate for a very good reason because... Let me, let me just call them off as we go through. There's a McLaren, there's a Mercedes SLR, there's a Lamborghini, I think that's the Aventador. I think so, yeah. uh, Another Mercedes, this is an SL55 AMG. There's a Jaguar XJ220. The list goes on and on and on. Oh, uh, Ferrari Testarossa. I think that looks horrible in white. What do you think? Um, it's got to be red. Yeah. If it's a Ferrari, it's got to be red. I mean, that's, Any that, other colour really doesn't suit a, suit a Ferrari. That that colour might have suited uh, an American detective series from years ago, but uh, it just doesn't. It doesn't do the business. The shape doesn't look right in white. It just detracts completely from the from the whole design ethos from when that car was put together. So we're, we're agreed it had to be red, but if not, I would have accepted Gallo Fly Yellow, maybe. Yeah. Um, and right next door to it. Uh, a classic, a late 60s, early 70s classic, the Maserati. Absolutely, I love the Trident on anything. I'm a big, big fan. One of these days, I, I might be able to afford to buy into it, but uh, please listen, folks. You're going to have to listen a lot more, and then I might be able to afford my Maserati, my dream car. Right, let's move on, Phil. Yeah. Uh, this is another period of cars that I that I really like. This is a, a Delahaye, beautifully restored. Um, one of the Grand Routiers of, of its day. And this is in gorgeous condition. It's just everything about this car yeah. is perfect. The woodwork, I mean, even the woodwork around the around the windscreen is just amazing. Mm-hmm. The grain is all matched. The dashboard is immaculate. It just harks back to an earlier period where everything was made to fit. Yes, yeah, made so by none craftsmen. Of your, none of your plastic with pins that break off when you're trying to remove them it's all screwed on <laughs> cars absolutely unique yeah. and and this behind the bentley old mother gun this is a car that i never expected to see to come to auction i've seen it here quite a number of times um it's it's been well used in in recent years thousand mile record team uh it was it was built Purely, if you like, as a, as a land speed record car and race car in its day. It's a special bodied Bentley. Uh, it is it is absolutely unique. They really did only make one of them. 
and it's it's a it's got an aero engine in it <laughs> you know which is which is extraordinary the the just the size of the exhaust pipes is a bit of a of a giveaway there's some lovely photos behind it of uh, on the brooklyn's banking and it, it sounds glorious obviously they're not going to start it up in here but i have heard it running it spits flames out of the back it's a whole different experience it was, it was quite common back in the day for aero engines to be put into yeah basically nearly truck chassis to do land speed records or even high yep. speed racing back in the day because they were the most developed lightweight engine you could get yeah yeah having to be in an aircraft it couldn't be heavy it had to be well, light and powerful for the same reason a lot of those early racers were using cast off zeppelin engines you know because for the same reason they had to be ultra high performance ultra lightweight they were everything a racing car engine of that area needed to be. There's a number of uh, Bentleys I noticed in this this sale. I mean, these are all uh, 20s Bentleys. Some are beautifully restored. Some are... Uh, they have a more wonderful pattern of age on them. I mean, there's a little bit of wear on the seats here. The rear seat scrub has obviously been replaced. But this... They show the history of the car. And you've got bodywork, which is covered in basically leather cloth. Yeah. Um, unlike the vinyl roofs of the 1970s, this is the whole body covered, apart yeah. from the bonnet, where it's obviously going to get hot and wouldn't last. Yeah, yeah. well, it, it was not unusual to have these cloth covered. Uh, so squeezing on through. There are so many cars in here that you really do have to uh, squeeze through them. And, uh, of course, they're all going up for sale a little later today. Uh... Aston Martin's on my left, Rolls-Royce on my left. Another very interesting car, or two very, three very interesting cars I see presented before me. The Lister Jaguar, which is a Le Mans entry. Yes. And uh, driven by, and I'm reading off the list, uh, Julian Bailey, Bobby Verdon Rowe, and Paul Natfield. Actually, a lot of people, and Justin Law, who's a regular here with his da dad, uh, Don. This is a car that was... Well, it, to be honest, it was not as successful as it should have been. No. Uh, or as it looked to be on paper. Aerodynamically, it's fabulous. Mechanically, it's it was as good as anything in its day, but it just it just never quite made it. No, it never quite gelled as some of the other designs. It was a, an enormously successful race car, but I don't think it ever no. had showed its full potential. I was just noticing on the side the um, GT Championships that it was entered into. So over three seasons, it was a couple of firsts and three seconds. It's, you know, it's, it's firsts and seconds, but it's not an impressive haul over three seasons of, of huge expenditure and development. Really? Mm. A Paddy Hopkirk style, which isn't one of his, I'm sure. Uh, Mini Cooper S. I think this was a Monte Carlo Rally entrant. But it's all sort of correctly put together. The interesting, the, the road-going number plate is under black tape on the bonnet. <laughs> but nice car. Pretty authentic inside. The twin tanks, the correct interior, including the original seats. You know, weren't those mini seats, that red with the grey insert, horrible? Yes, they were absolutely <laughs> awful, abysmal. You can see why people spent money on, on doing these up. Yeah, it's got proper bucket seats in the front. Yeah, 
full harnesses for rallying. Obviously, it's got no roll cage because they didn't exist back in those days. But, uh, it's uh, pretty well put together. Right. Now, I'm going to include this one for uh, Andrew, who is our uh, four-wheel drive off-road man. This is... Well, I think this is the only um, Land Rover that's actually appeared in two uh, Bond films, Skyfall and Spectre, uh, with a quite incredible set of tyres on it. In fact, it's got everything on it. Not to everybody's taste. Um, Andrew, I'm sure you'll love it, but it's a bit over the top, isn't it? But then, you know, for, I think for, as a film truck, it's hardly a surprise. The chances are, with the equipment it's got, you're never going to get stuck anywhere. It's got a winch, it's got a massive tow rope, it's got tyres that can probably dig your way out of a, a sand pit. Yeah. Or even quicksand, looking at them. Yes, yes you could take this to the desert and move a pyramid or two, <laughs> if, you, if you so chose. There's a winch I on the front. I've some photographs of it, so um, Andrew yeah. will be happy. Next to a, a Toyota uh, F1 car. Um, I can't remember who drove this, but then I should because I actually saw the launch of this uh, and was present when this car was launched. But uh, the, the strength in depth here is quite amazing. Uh, talking to um, Malcolm Barber, who's uh, I think he's still chief executive at Bonhams, he thinks it's one of the um, uh, the most diverse auctions they've ever held here. I would agree with that. It is really quite spectacular. Favorite car? I think the McLaren SLR, because I've actually sat in one of those, yeah. driven one, but no. I've sat in one. No. no. But I think historically I would I would like to go for the, the Lamborghini Espada, a four-seat monstrosity of a car, but it just oozes yes. character from back in the days when cars were designed without computers. Yeah, yeah, quite so. It's drawn on a drawing board. It's, and It's a very personal take on automotive design. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I think it would have to be one of the Ferraris, but, you know, there are so many of them uh, that I'm not quite sure. We're, I think we're standing in front of the 550 Maranello. It's the shape I've already li always liked. But probably, as we come in, the front entrance was 275 GTB. Yes. Mid-60s car, uh, Got a photo, a photo on the site that I saw one recently in a, in a petrol station. Stunning car, absolutely stunning. All the early cars, you can look at them, they're, they're from the mind of a designer onto a piece of paper. Yeah. There's no wind tunnels, there's no computers, it's, it's all pure design. Yeah. And you can see that in the older cars, it's not so much in the modern cars. Because everything seems to be much, much the same these days with corporate yeah. grills, etc. But looking at the older cars, you can see the the thinking of the designer yeah. when they were going through the process of making the car. And if it uh, if it looked right, it very probably was right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, we need to move on, and we've spent quite a long time in the auction. Uh, fortunately, we haven't spent anything. Shortly, the automobilia sale will start and i've got to get out of here before phil starts raising his hand um it could cost us corporately a fortune i don't want to go there so we're going to go out and uh, yeah. go back and see what's going on elsewhere yeah. we're standing here in the um concorde elegance i suppose you call it that is essentially what it is it's called stile lux yeah it's been a feature of the 
festival speed for many, many, many years. And it does produce some spectacular motor cars. Yeah, there's a there's a group of Arbath special cars here. Um, just wondering if they come from a, an Arbath collection privately owned in the middle of France, in the Champagne region, in the town of Beaune, um, which I was lucky to visit a couple of years back in 2017. Um, I'm not sure whether they are from that particular museum, but it's a fantastic place. And this is and this is quite a wonderful collection uh, of of cars with, with I'm guessing several themes because there are a number of uh, Aston Martins. Uh, they're celebrating uh, their 70th year of an involvement with Goodwood. I think it's fair to say. There's a Fossil Vega just across there. There's a, a Bentley Continental behind us. Uh, in fact, several Bentley Continentals uh, from the 50s and early 60s. Uh, Rolls Royces, yeah, actually, there's the, the early 30s, several Bugattis over there, and well, just at the other end of the spectrum, I guess, there's a collection of absolutely pristine uh, VW campers, split windows, bay windows, pickups, uh, pickups all, all kinds. Uh, representing that mark, so um, which was originally known as the Volkswagen Type Two, the Beetle being the Type One. Yeah, uh, the Type Two is the microbus. Or and I, I've just spotted as the crowd parted uh, one of the original combi buses with the uh, windows in the in the roof, and you don't see those very often. No. Right. Well, we're we're still we've been trapped in this uh, this Stilo Lux area by. A car that is particularly striking. I, I, I believe I've seen it here once before, um, but uh, incredibly rare. Uh, this is a 1935 Avion Voisin C25 Aerodyne. Okay, of its time, <laughs> it's 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 like Art Deco meets all of those experiments in aerodynamics that were happening late 20s early 30s it is quite extraordinary with this dual spear sort of a bonnet uh, mascot uh, you know you could kill two people at a time if you hit them with that uh, quite extraordinary uh, it looks to me like it's supercharged as well um, wheel full wheel discs to improve the aerodynamics it's a stunning car the interior trim looks out of place until you think well this is sort of the height of art deco yeah it's it's very very um it is of its time yeah it's yeah. very very angular on the on the design of the interior it's very monochrome yeah the design of the car is is akin to something like the bluebird speed cars of, of the era of that time yeah um, running boards that you could stand probably 10 people on either side if you wanted to <laughs> But it's just an amazing piece of engineering from its day. It's just—it uh, is quite extraordinary. I mean, we—I think we could talk about this for, for, for several hours and just pick out points of detail. But I love the um, dual pantograph wiper. Yeah, mounted directly through the windscreen. It, exactly through a hole in the windscreen. That's uh, really quite extraordinary. And so, as, as Graham described, the bonnet mascot health and safety you would not get away with that these days absolutely not would cut someone clean in half if yeah you, if you bounced on the bonnet you it wouldn't is, you wouldn't survive <laughs> no it is it is razor sharp 
if you ended up on that bonnet, it would fill it you quite nicely. Gorgeous car. Yeah, Gorgeous. very, very. So I'm in the collecting area with Steve Stoke. Steve, we've got fireworks going on, we've got the cars coming in. You've been involved with us for a very long time, touring cars, Le Mans cars, you've driven everything. You come back here every year, blood for punishment or what? Well, it's not a punishment, it's such a great event. It's, um, it's a relaxing event and BMW brings some lovely cars over for me to drive, which brings back fantastic memories. So it's, it's a privilege, I look forward to it. I look forward to every event at Goodwood whether it's the members or the Festival of Speed or the Revival, they're, they're all great. But this car is one of my all-time favourites. I raced it in 99 uh, with JJ Leto. We won three races out of five in America. And it just it has a, you know, a real soft spot for me, and I do for the car as well. I just love it. I, I overheard what you were talking to the engineers about. It's, it's very clearly, it's, a, it's an old friend. Yeah. But this is a place for meeting old friends. Yeah, exactly. It's a very sociable weekend. It's a great weekend. And, it, you know, normally the weather's like this. So what's there to moan about? <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Thank you, Steve. Cheers. I'm in the collecting area with our local hero, Derek Bell, five-time Le Mans winner, double world sports car champion. And all that. You've, oh, and all that. You've been here associated right from the very beginning, Derek. We've known each other a very long time. Yes, yeah. You were just telling me it's a little while since you drove this car. Yeah, 1971 is the last time I sat in it, and it hasn't run since then. But they rebuilt it, but it was in golf colors, then blue and orange. And for some reason, they didn't want to paint it blue and orange, but it was the car that Joe Sifford and I drove in 1971 and then it packed up in the night with a bit of, it had a cracked oil in the head. It was oil pissing out. And um, uh, we were doing 246 every lap down the Mulsanne Strait, 396 kilometers. You can't believe it, can you? We, we've talked before about, about your driving at that speed before they made it a little more sanitized. <laughs> Uh, which which it really made it harder to drive because it's a piece of cake. If the car would do 240, it would, it would go, go 240. Yeah, yes, yeah, you know. And they didn't really have any accidents at those speeds. I mean, I know um, somebody had a tire burst, but nobody really got hurt. I you think know. Martin had a huge accident. Yes. Martin yeah. And then who, year, who, who walked away from it? And the other driver did the uh, lovely chap who, Win Percy. Oh, Win. He had a cracker yeah. when a tire burst. You know. Yeah. But, uh, but you're no, it's amazing. Still fired up yeah so I am I mean I drove a Ferrari Daytona which I had driven in 72 funnily enough not the same car but the sister car and uh, that was lovely to drive this so I'm driving it again later after this I guess and then um, I drove a little Arbath but it's actually too many I didn't I got in the car at 10 past 8 and I didn't get out till t 10 to 1 it was a long time to be sitting waiting just to go up the hill twice for a minute. The, but the problem is like. there, there are now so many vehicles on, on the hill. I think it's 600 here. I don't know. Well, do you know, that means a long queue down that end and a long queue at the top the end. Yeah, it does. And of course, everybody realizes the incredible value of this event. And it's what is so fantastic is the, is the amount of enthusiasm there is for classic cars or historic, whatever the hell you want to call them, I don't know, but not the modern late, latest thing. They love the late ones too. But the fact that all the families, and you look around here, not everybody is sort of 70 years old. There are a lot of young people watching these cars and taking delight in the sound and the smells and the smoke and the noise. I can remember you telling me a very, very long time ago, before the, the, the historic boom yeah. in motorsport, I'm not driving one of those bloody old things. They're not safe. <laughs> I know. And, and then 
well, when there's nothing else to drive. Well, exactly. So <laughs> when you're like one of those yourself, old things, you, you, everybody's rebuilt a career around driving these things yeah. and, and has re-experienced them. Yeah. And they're probably safer than they've ever been. They are really. I mean, I have to admit, this one. I mean, it felt tremendous just now. But I mean, I drove the Arbath this morning, and every time I accelerated, it turned right, and when I backed off, it turned left. Uh, that isn't appealing at all. Um, so, but those sort of things, they sh and then but I said, well, how did you like the car? And I went, well, actually, you need to do something about it, because I, I think you're you've got a differential problem or something. Uh, but, you know, generally speaking, people test their cars before they come here, run them somewhere yeah. to make sure they're Everything not going to be let down right, because they yeah. don't want their car. I mean, Porsche, the last thing is they want one of these cars to expire, to blow up, you know. Yeah. It doesn't look good, does it? Yeah, no. And it's all about showing off your corporate heritage. That's right. And we're in entertainment, you know, and yeah, sure. Porsche, when you look at these amazing cars that sit here now, I mean, they, they really dominated that era. And it was that, this, the, the gamble they took in, in the late 60s, and I was with them in 70, 71. But the gamble they took to build these cars, which could have broken the company, and Piek did it. Yeah. If, it had, if they hadn't got those 25 cars out, yeah. they, the Porsche would probably gone bust. They would have gone bust. And uh, they came out and they won. And you know, I was part of the, that fantastic last year when we won the world championship and you know won some races. But I mean, it was fantastic. And now they're the most profitable car builder in Europe. Yes, that's right. But the, really, the amazing thing is, it's basically thanks to the uh, four-wheel drive Cayennes. Yeah, well, you know, they brought them in just to tip it over. But I mean, those 911s it probably means they're under underpriced actually. Mm. But the 911s have developed so much. I mean, I didn't yeah. really fancy them when I was 30 years old. And I mean, you know, I didn't really choose to keep it when we had the chance to have one. But to tell you now, I love it. I've you know got one of this. I got um, what they call it. Um, Legends Edition. They built oh, 15 right. in my colours, 15 in Richard Atwood's red, and 15 in white like Nick Tandy's. And uh, highly appropriate for a legend. That's right. But <laughs> I mean, it was lovely that they did that. It was a great honour, very flattering. So they sort of really started to look at the marketing in the last few years. You know. Brilliant. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate pleasure. talking to you. Thank Good you to see you again. Thank you, and you. Well, we're in the Drivers' Club garden. This is... Uh, Nirvana for motorsport fans and uh, as a guest of Mercedes we're talking to Esteban Ocon hello who um, you were spectacular up the hill yesterday you clearly enjoyed yourself yeah it was fantastic and uh, you know my first time in Goodwood uh, so I'm a bit of a, of a rookie heard so much about the, the festival um, but didn't get the chance to to be driving so I was re really looking forward to my first time and uh, clearly when I got here didn't disappoint you know as a hardcore fan of, uh, of cars, first of all. Uh, I mean, there is everything you need here, so it's fantastic. I, I, every year I hear from the younger drivers like yourself coming through, uh, this is a chance for them to meet their heroes, the, the, the legends that uh, got them involved in motorsport. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's so many good drivers here and so many history, you know, with so many beautiful cars from the past and cars that have been champion that you've seen on TV so many times. and. Yeah, it's just um, just special, you know, to, to see all of that and all of that re reunited, you know, in, in one place. Now, you're driving a fairly current car and, yeah. and obviously the F1 teams are not going for anything other than the spectacle. So for you, it's uh, it's lots of noise, lots of smoke. Yeah, a lot of noise, not a lot of smoke. That's that's what we love now <laughs> about, uh, about racing, about making a show. So, um, yeah, I wish I could have, you know, pushed the car a bit to try and get the record, but... 
We're not allowed, so it's, uh, it's unfortunate. No, that's sad. Actually, the record uh, fell yesterday. Yeah, I know, half I a saw. Second. You saw we're it. We're a French guy, yeah. Yeah, Roman we're Roman Duma in the, in the Volkswagen ADR. Yeah. It's yeah. extraordinary. That's an electric car it taking the, the record for the hill, which has lasted 20 years. Yeah, it's uh, it's great, you know, to, to see that technology, of course, uh, goes and, and goes at the top. But uh, it's a shame we can't push because I'm, I'm pretty sure we could do better than that. <laughs> well, I've little doubt that... It, the, the, the younger guys in, in the right cars uh, would would just eat that record, no, well, no trouble. A Formula One car is, is, is quick, you know, it's the quickest, so um, if we could push that, of course, uh, I think we would have a good chance of, of beating it, yeah. All right, thank you, Esteban, thanks for your time, I know you've got to go. No problem. Thanks for your time. Bye. Well, we're here with the IDR talking to Roman Dumas, who smashed the record yesterday by a half a second. Now, I interviewed Nick Heidfeld before he set that record. So, 20 years later, I'm very pleased to be able to talk to you. A very, very spectacular car, a very spectacular run. You're really getting the hang of this car now. Pike's Peak, the Nürburgring, what else? <laughs> what else? I don't know, but for sure it was a nice run yesterday. Uh... The, the upper section was quite fast, I have to say, I was pushing a lot there. Uh, we are still improving the car day after day, run after run. So possible today we can find some more tenths of the second, is what we will aim for. And uh, we will see at the end of the day, uh, it's, uh, the car for sure is really fast. And uh, we like it, for sure, I like drive this car like that on the limit. It's a nice prototype, you know, and uh, with a lot of downforce, a lot of power. But uh, yeah, it's cool to drive. So you took half a second out yesterday on your first run of the day, I think? Yeah, yeah, it was five, uh, five tenths uh, yeah. quicker than uh, Nick uh, Eckfeld times. Uh, for and sure. more to come? Uh, and more, we try, but it will be not so easy. Keep going. Good luck, thank you, Roman. Thank you very Thanks much. for your time. You. Well, I think it's pretty much time to go home now. We're reaching the end of a very long, rather tiring, rather warm day and it certainly uh, has exceeded all expectations but then it always does every year. Phil, uh, you're looking as worn out as I am. What's uh, sort of highlights for you? I think we've just come from one of the big highlights from the Bonhams auction to see Nigel Mansell's Red 5 sold for 2.4 million which was quite impressive but not as much as they were expecting so someone's got a very good bargain there. There's quite a few other cars gone for some very good money as well. Yeah, I suppose it's uh, one of the features I think we've seen of the bits of auction that we've seen is some cars have gone very cheap. Now I know cheap is very relative, but if a four and a half litre Bentley goes out the door for I think it was 380,000, that is a bargain because that's a half a million six hundred thousand pound car i can't figure why some of them weren't reaching that sort of well, some didn't even reach their reserves which is very unusual their sale rate is normally very very high yeah there was quite a variety of cars i mean there was a, a land rover defender with all the bells and whistles everything and that went for about forty thousand pounds yeah. it was ridiculously cheap yeah it probably cost more than that to buy it in the first place with all yeah. the specs on it. It was, it was a, a, an absolute special edition, as Phil says, absolutely fully equipped. Um, but a bargain basement price, uh, quite extraordinary. But there we are. So, But what of 
the cars we have seen. We've talked to some uh, interesting people, we've seen some very interesting cars and probably this is the best place on the globe to see some of them. Yeah, I've really enjoyed the day, it's been amazing. It, it would be very hard to be here uh, as many years as I have been right from the very beginning and not have made a lot of friends here on the way. And, and it's funny, you talk to the drivers that have been here many times and they will tell you the same thing. They come here not just because of the cars, although that's a great attraction. They come here to meet old friends, many of whom are old rivals that they raced against in their particular heyday. But they're, they're not old friends and it's not as competitive as it once was. No, there's a vast variety. There's a lot of new new drivers here as well. There's a vast amount of um, NASCARs, IndyCars. America is well represented this weekend. Ferrari have got a massive collection of historic Formula One cars here. It's just unbelievable, as it is every year. It's just amazing. Now, something I've saved for exploring for tomorrow is the absolutely massive McLaren stand, the sports car stand, not the team stand. Uh, I'm certainly looking forward to uh, going and exploring that tomorrow because it is huge. It's the biggest I've ever seen here, which shows their successes as a sports car manufacturer. Yeah, they, they always up their game with their um, stand at the Goodwood Festival of Speed. And this year, they've got lots more stuff going on. Music, they've got all memorabilia stuff. That, it's just amazing stuff. Well, I think, uh, say, time to call a halt for today. Being day two, uh, we're both fairly exhausted, but uh, day three beckons. Just need a bit of sleep and something to eat first. Motor Talk, a first take media production.